It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party, only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a special live edition of the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Aaron Freeman. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And of course, the Atlanta Football Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, we'll talk a bit about Sunday's 48 17 loss to the Saints, but of course, we have lots to dig into on the departure of Arthur Smith in the deep dive and what's next. But first, let's talk about our top takeaways. Jarvis, it's been 24 hours now. You've had a chance to kind of marinate on the finality of the Falcons' loss to the Saints, the 48-17 loss to that team. So before we even dig into the Falcons' parting of ways with Arthur Smith, we kind of have to dig into that final nail in the coffin that was that regular season finale. So what's your takeaway now? Um, I think it's a kind of a fitting into an era, right? Because mm. when you look at how things have, how we led up to this situation, we're talking about, you know, uh, Arthur Blank talking about how he was safe or there was a report that came out that he was safe. And then mm -hmm. we've moved, moved into these last few games and saying, okay, this is something, a situation that you're going to have to take a look at, or he might not be safe. Or if, if, if there's a collapse and then, I think this game kind of defined, you know, what a collapse look like looks like, right? Because this is that, that game yesterday. It was so fitting. Desmond Ritter came in, came in super hot, right? He was he was slinging the rock. He was able to get the ball to Bajan Robinson. He was mm -hmm. able to, you know, um, he was finding Drake London underneath. He was making all the right throws and you know checking the ball down, you know, and everything like that. He was looking like he was in a good space, but. Yeah. Coming out of halftime, it just all went, it went from sugar to you know what? <laughs> you know, just that simple. It, it, then the Saints scored 31 straight points. And just yeah. when you think about that game and how it went, how it collapsed, I think it was just, I think that report was kind of fitting, right? He's like, oh yeah, he's safe unless we have a, a epic collapse. And I think that's exactly what happened yesterday. Yeah, and an epic collapse, Aaron, that literally was on top of epic collapses that have happened because it's not just a points collapse. Of course, it was a points collapse last night. But ultimately, you look back even several weeks ago and the fact that, as we talked about yesterday, you had a Tampa Bay team that if we go all the way back to the beginning of the season, this division was a toss-up, which means that nobody was the standout in any way, shape, or form, not even the Bucks. And yet they managed to carve out and gut out a 9-0 win to the Panthers to win the division on Sunday. Yet four weeks ago, the Falcons couldn't muster up enough points to beat those same Panthers. So, you know, in, in essence, giving them what their second win of the season. So yeah, you look at it and you say to yourself, like, like Jarvis said, it's fit. It's a fitting into, to an era indeed, because it's the kind of exclamation point, especially the second half of yesterday's game that you would have expected if you looked at this regime across not just this season, but really kind of sort of across the, the entirety of the Arthur Smith regime. Now, 
what, what would you say, Free, was your takeaway, your top takeaway from yesterday? Yeah, I think Jarvis nailed it. Like th- that game basically kind of mirrored this sort of season where it's like he had a lot of promise with Desmond Ritter going into the season. And you're like, OK, this is this could work. And you, you get the first half of the, of the Saints game and then you get the second half of the Saints game. And it's basically it all goes down the drain. And that that's kind of how the season kind of went, where all those sort of early season struggles, you were just kind of like, okay, they're, they're going to have a breakthrough moment. And at right. the point in the season where you were hoping for that breakthrough, you had that sort of three game stretch with the Titans, the Vikings and the Cardinals where you didn't have that. And okay, all right, let's, let's get through the bye week and then we'll, we'll come out and finish strong and, and make this playoff push. And you got that in that first saints game and mm-hmm. things kind of came back down to earth against the jets, but you were like, okay, that's a good defense. And it was outdoors and Weather, they'll, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out um, against Tampa Bay at home. And they didn't. And then they lost to the Panthers and then they, they bounced back against the Colts and you're like, okay, maybe they'll, maybe they'll turn this thing around. And then, they right. suffered the two worst losses of their season from a point standpoint against the Bears and the Saints. And, and that's sort of the late season collapse. And, you know, sort of my final takeaway from that Saints game is, Jameis, I'm, I'm going to remember you calling that uh, touchdown run out, out of victory formation. Uh, you know, so Falcon fans have a long memory. I'm, I'm going to remember that, Jameis. So, you know, this will come back to the Saints with, with that whole thing running up the score uh, at that point. So. Yeah, J- Jameis, you know, he, he's going to I'm going to I'm going to put his face on a dartboard in my in my house and uh, you know, we'll I'll remember Jameis. We'll remember this. Well, you know, I always have to give Jameis some grace because many years ago, actually before he was drafted by the Bucks, he was at a game visiting with his cousin. And you know what? Actually, I take that back. He had just been drafted and he was at a game out supporting his cousin in Tampa. And my producer at the time saw that he was on the field and she's like, Dart, you and get him. And I was the only reporter he gave an interview to that day. So he always gets the slight bit of grace from me <laughs> because I know he's a really good guy. Like he totally is a good guy. And he was also one of the few who in the um in the room when I wanted to do an exclusive on that class, that rookie class for the Bucks back then, he was the one who was like, Yeah, no, we don't have to, you know, make a formal arrangements. Let's just go sit down and go do it now. So I'm going to always give him grace. And listen, Jarvis used to go by this handle called Pettymonger. So Pettymonger better have some appreciation for the Saints being real petty yesterday. (laughs) You know, I find that kind of interesting. And like, you know, going along with the theme of being a a, 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 essentially a storyline ending to Arthur Smith, because that's going to be the last picture we see of him MFing and you mother yeah. blanker and all this to Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen, like, man, to be honest with you, we come to find out that he he called a victory formation. It's just Jameis Winston, who is probably the most famous person who lacks so much self-awareness <laughs> outside of a, a presidential candidate, you know, who's coming up. But, you know, we ain't going to get into that. But I, I think that, you know, Jameis is, is the way he handled that situation, I thought was very interesting. But yeah. I think overall, though, looking at what Arthur Smith and – just Logan Woodside mysteriously coming into the game. And I'm just like, okay, are you waving the white flag or, or what is going on? So it it just seems like, and you MFing the coach on your way out. It just seems like all that frustration was just built up and it just yeah. came out in that moment. And yeah. because you can look at him in the post game press conference, it was just like, 
Well, you know, it's just that's what they do, and you know, we just got to stop them. I was like, oh, but that wasn't the case when you when you cussed the man out on the field. So, I think there was a lot of pettiness in there, yeah. um, and and Jameis Wilson and Jamie Winston and and company made that decision. But it's just it's just so fitting that Arthur Smith. We're gonna remember him for cussing out Dennis Allen, and yeah. that just pretty much sums up how this this re- regime has come to an end and right. hopefully we can get to a space where we're talking about it in a positive light and not remembering that. Yeah, because I, I think it's one of those where you would like to remember, and I, I know I retweeted a buddy of ours, Joe Patrick, who's on the beat, and he had some positive things to say about Arthur Smith. And I re, when I retweeted it, or quote tweeted it, I said, yeah, I can separate the human, the man, Arthur Smith, right. from the coach, Arthur Smith, because the coach, Arthur Smith, made me scratch my head many, many times in the three years that we've been covering, but the man never, like the integrity level is always there. Even though, like you said, I'm going to think about him, you know, cursing the coach out and me scratching my head, but I'm like, you know, I don't know if, if in the back of my mind, I was a coach and I kind of knew that this was my swan song. I think I'd be ticked off as well. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to kind of hold my cool, you know, or hold myself together as well, especially looking at it from so many different like symmetrical angles, right? So even Mm -hmm. something like you lost by 31 points, which also happens to be the highest number of points that the team ever scored, the Falcons team ever scored under your regime. Hmm. The Saints finished the, the season, what, four wins in their last five games? You finished the season Four losses in your last five games. There's just so much symmetry that mirrors the kind of juxtaposition that this entire season slash this entire Smith era has been about that it's so hard to kind of overlook those things. But like you said, Jarvis, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the deep dive and certainly in what's next. But you think about all of the little pieces, even down to something like, wow, you get a unicorn that don't unicorn. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's truly, we're, we're in a space now where we're going to really see what Kyle Pitts is, yeah. you know, I feel like in his next regime because, and what his value is yeah. going for, because I, I didn't like the pick at the moment and I'm not liking it even more so now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tougher one. I think I probably softened up on Drake London faster than I softened up on the Kyle Pitts. And then just to wrap it up, because, hey, we wouldn't be us if we weren't wrapping it up with a commentary about nine. But yeah, that's another example of how things kind of a microcosm of how things have gone throughout the entire era of Arthur Smith. Jarvis, you put it best. That first half, he was looking so sharp, making good decisions, doing his checkdowns when he needed to, even driving the team, what, in the last 56 seconds down the field so that you end the first half on a field goal in less than a minute, and then you get the ball back in the second half. But then it just goes sideways. And that feels like the whole era for three years, about a year and a half, maybe two years in, you still thought this thing had some wheels that you could roll on. And the more this third season went along, the more you realized, like, yeah, he ain't it and that ain't it. And this is it. So we'll talk again about it a little bit more when we come back. We're going to deep dive into the firing of Arthur Smith. Now, guys, we told you yesterday about this. I'm going to remind you again today because some people may have unfortunately lost their positions as well. And that's where a job board like LinkedIn or LinkedIn Jobs comes in. And this episode of the Atlanta Football Party is brought to you 
by LinkedIn. Now, at the start of the new year, every small business owner and even candidates, by the way, are all asking the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take things to the next level in 2024? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of posting. It's why small businesses say LinkedIn Jobs is number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn also knows small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. So thankfully, you can process intuitively, quickly, and easily by using this site. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, guys, time for a little bit more of a deep dive into what happened, I would say technically Sunday night, because I think it probably did happen in the late hours or waning minutes of Sunday night. Of course, we found out right at the top of Monday morning, if you happen to be up at midnight, that the Falcons decided to indeed part ways with Arthur Smith after three seasons, uh, and not just three seasons, but three seasons of the identical, the identical, the identical, seven and 10 records and you go in, therefore, 21 and 30 through that regime, which is a tough sled, right? And one of the things that we kind of talked about as this season wore on, and we kind of even alluded to it in segment one, was where there were some gaps, where there was some misfires and miscues or deficiencies. But what for each of you, and Aaron, we can start with you, what for each of you was that one thing that ultimately went wrong for Arthur Smith that led to the Falcons saying, you know what, time to move on? You know, it- Ultimately, it's going to boil down to the quarterback position. The you know, there's going to be a lot of second guessing on the decision to start Desmond Ritter. Um, yeah, that's how most of us feel. <laughs> no. Sorry, my internet connection was a little wonky. Oh no, it's okay, it's okay. I was literally pausing because I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, Desmond Ritter, but I want to. Here are the rest of what you have to say because I think we're thinking on the same page. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think a lot of people are going to second guess the decision to to roll with Desmond Ritter. I I don't think, I mean, it's fair to second guess that, but I don't think that was the wrong choice that the Falcons made. I think ultimately it kind of boiled down to you didn't get the development in Desmond Ritter over the course of the season that you wanted to see, right? It was like you you kind of knew the the early going of the season as it talked about was going to be a little bit up and down because of how inexperienced he was and sort of getting the sort of growth of this offense. And then when you sort of thought that he would sort of push forward, Mm -hmm. um, you know, starting around the midpoint with that Titans game, you didn't get that. And then you got the benching 
and then you brought him back and you're like, okay, is he going to finish the season strong? Cause you know, the thing I always say was like, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And you look back at the earlier seasons with, with especially last year, like the Falcons got better over the course of, the, of that season in 2022. And so you thought, okay, they're going to do that in 2023. And they just didn't do it after the bye week They had their moments, but it just wasn't consistent enough for this team to have the breakthrough because like, you know, at, at, for most of the season, they were hovering at around four, uh, 500, right? Yeah. You know, six and six. Um, and you're, you, you still felt reasonably good. Okay. They can get to nine or 10 wins that I think a lot of people thought they would, if they can just sort of turn it on in these final weeks of the season and the quarterback play, the, the offensive line play, the defense, all those things kind of just sort of come apart at the seams at that point in the season when you needed it all to come together. And I think ultimately, when we talk about the demise of Arthur Smith, it was like, okay, like it's been a little rocky. The train is still on the tracks, but that's when it kind of got derailed against Tampa Bay, against Carolina and in those teams in the final month of the year. Yeah. And I think just to piggyback on what you said, which was the question I was going to ask to be more specific about what was that one thing for you? Cause we know there are multiple reasons that they parted ways, but what was that one thing for you? And I think, nuancing it that way free makes perfect sense because everyone's just saying oh it's the quarterback well no it's not just fill in the blank Desmond Ritter right it's more of the development that didn't take place in this season for him and also I'll even take it back to last season where you made the bad call to bring in Marcus Mariota so I'm just gonna say the QB room how about it we're just gonna call this QB room because he should never have been there because he was never going to be the guy to develop the guy you drafted who you habitually wanted to start right so that's part one and then part two of that is you left him in that same guy one as Jarvis calls him you left one in way too long last year which didn't give you an opportunity to maybe salvage some time that you could actually develop him and then thirdly I think going back to the QB room Listen, we how many how many backup quarterbacks did we see this season come in and do damage? Even with my team, my beleaguered Steelers, somehow Mason Rudolph got them all the way together. And how many times have you guys and I and Tori McElhaney, our other analyst, come in and say, hey, we've had opportunities to take down a quarterback and we became the team, meaning the Falcons became the team that, hey, if you want your quarterback to get right, just make sure your team plays the Falcons next week and it's going to happen. So I think it's it's a bigger picture kind of of the QB room than just kind of pointing that finger at Desmond Ritter. But that said, Jarvis, what would you look at as maybe that one thing for you that said, you know what? Yeah, it, it's time. I want to take it a step further with the whole QB QB room thing. Mm-hmm. I think they messed up in oh, 2021. Yeah. Here it you is. had Grace. You had mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, the consummate professional. You could have yeah drafted a quarterback you know a lot of people wanted Justin Fields I was on that train I would have mm-hmm. I wouldn't have minded Justin Fields sitting for a year and let Matt Ryan go out gracefully right you know you trying to you you bring him in and have him learn and understand and go to kind of the old school route not three years like Jordan Love but you know what's a a, a good solid year of just mm-hmm. saying okay you're gonna learn up under this guy and, and you're gonna understand what it takes to be able to be a professional what you need to do and you don't think Matt Ryan would have done that I think so, because I know both parties didn't like how it ended. You know, uh, Arthur Smith talked about it. And I'm sure Matt Ryan, deep down, didn't want to be, after they go and pursue the guy who had 13, 17, 11 felonies, you know, pending civil charges against him and Deshaun Watson, and then say, oh, hey, Matt, uh, hey, big head, how you doing? (laughs) You know, and try to come back to him. So it was just the way it was handled. And regardless who 
or who pushed for that, we know more than likely it was Arthur Blank who won Deshaun Watson in here. And of course, when the boss says, hey, go get this dude, y'all try right. to figure it out and make get it done. But I think sure. like it, it's definitely the quarterback room overall, but I think it started in 2021 when they had a top five pick and they decided to go with a tight end versus getting the quarterback and having mm-hmm. a, a real man conversation with Matt saying, you know what? Here's what we are as far as salary cap goes. Yeah. Not saying we're tanking or anything like that. We're still gonna try to win some ball games. You're gonna be the starter, but we got we have to take a, we have to take a lot, get this opportunity to take a, take a quarterback, so you won't be sitting around in free agency the following year having mm-hmm. to go with Marcus Mariota and yeah. drafting a third round uh, quarterback who eventually takes over at the end of the season. That just it just doesn't feel like a, a good plan, and I yeah. think that's where it ultimately started. And I can definitely go with that because just like we spoke of on the show yesterday, our postcast in hearing Matt Ryan talk about some of the tech, you know, some of the technical aspects of what went into the missed opportunity where um, was it is John Robinson that he was thrown to in the end zone and he essentially just misfires. Right. Yeah. And in my mind, I was thinking the same thing. Jarvis I was like, see, that's the that's the Maddie ice that you could have taken an opportunity or taken advantage of because that guy is a teacher. And we know it just from having covered him, all of us who, you know, covered this team for years and have having covered Matt Ryan, you know how that mind works. And yeah, you're right. That was even the missed opportunity before the missed opportunity. So you look at it and you say, okay, we've got a lot of negatives to point to true indeed. But when you look at the three years that Arthur Smith has been here and you look at where this team was, where this franchise was, where this organization was before he came through. I mean, Aaron, can you point to anything where you can say, ah, the Falcons franchise is better because Arthur Smith came through Flowery Branch? Well, I think you can you can point at some things, right? It, it, we'll, we'll see if these actually live up to those expectations. But I think the two things that you probably look at are the defense and the stability on the offensive line. Like the Falcons for years under Matt Ryan always got their butts kicked in the trenches in, sure, in, in football. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah. sort of what Arthur Smith was building his team off of was we're going to go out there and, and be the butt kickers in the trenches. Mm-hmm. You didn't get it quite to the degree. I think we wanted it to see this season, right. With the run game being as, not as dominant as, as you thought they would be in, in the defense, you know, taking big strides, but like the pass rush, not getting there. But I think you, you sort of laid a foundation so that for whoever's going to come in next can say, mm-hmm. okay, like it's not at the top floor, but we're more than halfway up the building in terms of the elevator analogy with yeah. where yeah. the Falcons are in the trenches. So I think that's really uh, sort of where you would point to as something that Arthur Smith was able to accomplish, getting more stable in, in that area and getting stronger in that area. Yeah, that's a good one, because if you look at where what we saw this season, this was the first time I could think of in many years where we weren't saying, oh, wow, there's there's a change on the O-line because of performance. If if there was a change this year, it was about injury. So, yeah, that's a great place where he did upgrade the organization. So, Jarvis, I see. Is it Rex to Okay, I'm not going to even try that. We just say Rex. Rich. I wouldn't mind it a ton of QBs we Mr. passed up. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever in the world that's trying to say. I wouldn't have minded a ton of QBs we passed up on being trained under Matt instead of drafting Kyle, considering how many star tight end talent can be had in a given year. And you know what? That's the other thing. When you're looking at guys like, um, who am I thinking of? Sam Laporta, 
Um, you're looking at tight ends who were drafted. Travis so Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Right. Yes. Mid-round I mean, guys. <laughs> there it is. Exactly. Mid to late rounders who are doing things at the level where, and we talked about this uh, briefly on NFL Kickoff Live uh, post-show, how there are now a number of players who could be, you know, the rookie MVP or offensive, you know, rookie of the year. And to be talking about a guy who wasn't in that top echelon of drafts, yeah, you're absolutely right, Rex. That could have been a possibility and should have been a possibility because at the end of the day, Jarvis, last I checked, in an offense like this especially, a lot of it is about blocking even more so than you being a pass catcher at the tight end position. That what makes you more more effective, right? Because yes. you don't have to be subbed out uh, in certain formations when there is obvious pass situations or it's obvious run situations. You yep. can keep that guy in there. You can have him lined up, you know, with his hand in the dirt and saying, okay, we don't know what they're going to be able to do here. And then that's why you had a lot of people questioning why was Kyle Pitts in so many blocking situations early on in the season. You're like, okay, what's the, what's the deal here? What's the situation here? We saw um, nine get a little – little bit of continuity with, with Kyle Pitts, but it's just you're in a space now where it's it's very questionable. There are a lot of things that to be questioned uh right now because it's just like it just doesn't seem right. It didn't seem right mm -hmm. in the in 2021 when you drafted like I mentioned earlier, but now that you look back, it's like man, I re I really feel like y'all missed out on the opportunity, like you said, when it comes to with Matt. And so it's it, you kind of understand why it, it, it was time. It was it was time. Yeah, it was time for for uh, Arthur Smith to go. And of course, Arthur Blank and the Falcons organization released a statement earlier today, just confirming that he, along with President Rich McKay and GM Terry Fontenot, would begin the search for a head coach immediately. So when we come back, we got some things to talk to you guys about on where we think the Falcons should go. And this episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Now, when you think about the fact that the regular season is finally a wrap, you may think, hmm, is there an opportunity there at FanDuel? Yes, there is, because this coming weekend, of course, is Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. And so there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, that's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose. Now the app is very easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays, finding bets in the new explore tab, making a parlay in the parlay hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So who wouldn't take an opportunity to start your new year off right with making a few extra dollars? You want to do that? Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, as the saying goes, to everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. It's time for the Falcons to turn the page away from Arthur Smith. Now, 
here's the thing, guys. There are only technically, officially, unless you guys saw something break in the last two minutes, but there are five, essentially five openings at head coach across the NFL of the 32 teams. Now, do we expect more? Absolutely. But this is considered one of the more sought after positions. I saw a report earlier today that talked about the fact that Bill Belichick and part of his conversation and expectation with Robert Kraft and the Patriots is, hey, we would love to stay open to kind of shifting what my role would be, but rumor has it, he's kind of interested in coming down here as well. So that said, Jarvis, if you had to pick your dream coach, and listen, I'll even open it up a little bit if you wanted to try to move on and pick yourself a new OC and or DC, tell me what your coaching staff looks like for next season for the Falcons. Oh, wow. Wow. When you think about, for me, I like the idea of a guy who's a leader and not necessarily, hey, this is an offensive-minded head coach or this is a defensive-minded head coach. And this, now, granted, I'm going to let you all know, this is a super dream. It won't happen. But for me, you already know where I'm going, T. You know where I'm going. Raheem Morris, yeah, I feel I like, would be an excellent fit <laughs> as the head coach of this team because he's been there, been there, yeah. done that. He has his head coaching experience. He's coached on both sides of the football, and he and just I've just been always been amazed at how he's able to communicate, you know. Yeah. And you know that's that's some issues that Arthur Smith had with that, you know, whether it be to the media or you know never really heard any reports from his players. But it just seems like being able to communicate with folks is just kind of there was always kind of a, a drop of of, yeah. of the ball, so to speak, um, if I could use that scenario. But yeah, I, I think that a guy like Raheem Morris, a guy mm-hmm. who can be effective. A guy yeah. who I felt should have got a real opportunity the last time he was the interim head coach once Dan Quinn got fired. Mm-hmm. I really feel like he he's the guy that that would be my dream pick just from a head coaching standpoint because there are so many layers to this thing that I feel that feel are gonna play out in the next couple of days. But I feel like you know if you ask me who my dream coach would be, and it's mm-hmm. definitely a dream. It definitely be Ryan Morris. <laughs> That'd be a dream indeed because. When we look back at him being that interim coach, I mean, he had, it was it was a 500 record on the backside of the season, but it wasn't just a 500 record. It was the way that he got those guys to rally around him and do what needed to be done to finish out that season when Dan Quinn was fired midseason to finish out that season respectively. That's number one. Number two, we've seen what he was able to do. He was a big part of why the Rams were able to get a Super Bowl win and it's been 13 years. How long are you guys going to leave Raheem Morris as a coordinator or as a defensive coordinator before you give him an opportunity to be back at the helm? And I guess, you know, one of the things, like you said, is he may be, maybe he's sought after and maybe he gets the gig uh, because, of course, the commanders in firing Ron Rivera this morning have already announced that they are considering him for and have requested an interview for Raheem Morris. So we shall see. But Jarvis, just as a follow up, what would you do? What are you looking for the Falcons to do as well? at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? Like, are you looking for them to have an outright OC, like you said, and have that head coach to just be the leader of the organization? And as far as DC goes, keep Ryan Nielsen or go in a different direction? I mean, I feel like there's enough talent on this defense. Um, I'll start there. I feel like there's enough talent on this defense for them to be able to say, hey, you know, we can get a guy that that's going to run a 4-3 or the Falcons can get a guy that's going to run a 3-4 or if he wants to run multiple. I feel like there's personnel on his roster to be able to do both, you know, and kind of move forward and, and fully transition to either or. 
So um, I would like for Ryan Nielsen to stay, but I know it just doesn't work like that in the NFL. Offensively, mm-hmm. I just want somebody to be able to come in and be competent, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, let's come up with a good game plan. Let's be consistent, not change when like the like the wind or something like that, not be too conservative, mm-hmm. you know, with, with your game yeah. plan and all that. Yeah. But, you know, there's not a name that really comes to mind, to be honest with you. But I really mm-hmm. feel like just be competent on offense because you have uh you have the talent. And as far as defense goes, like you have the talent on, on that side of the football as well. With Grady Jarrett coming back, you know, uh, he said earlier that he'll be – he's on schedule. He looks like he's mm-hmm. going to be back at the beginning of the year. And I think you can build something um, special on, on the defense side of the football. Indeed. And Calais Campbell kind of echoed the same. He said that he was leaning to playing again. So I think those are positives to know that you have. And when I say anchors, just meaning from a leadership and a maturity perspective, to know that you have guys like that who are willing to come back and ready to come back and, and put in some work. And yeah, I would agree with you. It'd be kind of cool if Ryan Nielsen could miraculously stay on as the DC, but certainly um, I think the other learn, if, I guess this is what I thought about as well, because, you know, free, Arthur Blank does have a few things that he's consistent with, and he seems to be consistent with going out and getting a coach that is an OC and kind of upgrading that person to head coach. And so it'll be interesting to see if that's kind of the way he goes. But for you, what would be your dream scenario, whether it's the head coach, OC, DC, or all of the above? Well, I've seen the Bill Belichick rumors, and I'm just like, okay, like, (laughs) All right, like he's a great coach. Like he's he's accomplished incredible things, but these last couple of years it doesn't make me feel great about that. So, if you're going to give up draft picks for for Bill Belichick, I'm like, all right, good luck with that. If I was going to give up draft picks, and again, we're we're talking dream coaches, right? If I'm yes. trading draft assets, you know, the team that says we don't care about draft assets, I'm trading to the Rams to get Sean McVay. That's my dream coach. But I'm I'm with Jarvis. I like. People ask me all the time, who do you think is going to be a good head coach? And that's the thing. Like, we don't know if any of these guys, these coordinators or these assistant coaches have the capability of being capable head coaches. Yeah. But I look at Raheem Morris and I'm like, I think I know that he's a pretty good head coach. He's had success as a head coach. Again, not to the degree that you would say, oh, like he's guaranteed slam dunk of a home run coach. But as Jarvis said, he has the experience on both sides of the ball, coaching both sides of the ball, which you like to see. Uh, He's been a very successful defensive coordinator these last couple of years with the Rams, right? He has a championship pedigree, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he, he, as Jarvis said, he's, is a great communicator, a great leader, former player, all that sort of thing. He's been around the block, been part of multiple coaching staffs, has a lot of influences. So I look at Raheem Morris as that guy, whether Mm -hmm. it's here in Atlanta or somewhere else, who's ready made to be a coach gives that opportunity. So for me, it's like, you know, I look at the, that Ram staff as like Sean McVay, Raheem Morris, you know, one A, one B sort of guys that I think would, would be great fits for any team, including the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a key word that you said fit who fits the culture. One thing we can say about Arthur Smith is that he did fit the Falcons culture. He did fit the identity of what we're, we've become accustomed to under Arthur blank. So I agree with you. And Raheem Morris fits. He's already been here. So, you know, he fits. He was very and he's very highly esteemed, very highly respected. And I think that he would make a great I think that he'd be great as well, because to Jarvis's point too, Raheem was on both sides of the ball. That was one of the reasons that he ended up being so good because of 
how he kind of came back into the trenches, if you will, in Atlanta and went on both sides of the ball and even told us when we would talk to him uh, during pressers each week, how he'd learned and grown having those opportunities to be in both rooms, like to be in a QB room one minute, but then to be in a DB room the next, or to be in a QB room one season and then be in a DB room the next. Now I'm going to end on a funny note of who I would have as my dream guy. You know, when Andy Reid parted ways with the Eagles, it wasn't because Andy Reid was a bad coach and it wasn't because bad things were happening in Philadelphia. It was just time. And Philadelphia went on and you know what happens with them. They end up with Nick Sirianni eventually and they go and they get a Super Bowl. Andy Reid goes to Kansas City and he gets multiple Super Bowls. Hey, Mike Tomlin, there's a space for you at Flowery Branch. Because I think that in all honesty with Pittsburgh... Yeah. Now, of course, this is the dream, because if you would have asked me four weeks ago, I would have told you that there was a good chance the Steelers were going to part ways with him. Not with, with what he was able to do to get them in position to get back into the postseason. But hey, you can dream. Anyway, guys, appreciate you for stopping by. I'm sure that you all are out there dreaming as well about who that next coach is going to be. And hey, if it happens within the next week, you guys know that we are going to bring it back to you and give you guys our reaction next week. We appreciate you, as always, for stopping by the Atlanta Football Party. Like and subscribe us on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to stop by the Atlanta Football Party on Tuesday. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 